Welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast, episode 49, and that's not because of Jimmy G being saved yet again to be the 49ers quarterback, which makes me physically ill. Um, it's episode 49 because we've gotten to that point. Uh, my name is Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Josh Fine. What's good, brother? I'm doing great, Phil. Uh, it's an interesting weekend of racing that we had at the Daytona Road Course. Um, was able to attend uh, yeah. this weekend at, on Sunday uh, for the cup race. Um and it was uh, definitely a interesting race, and you know, was able to see a first-time winner with uh, Chris Bill, and it was uh, definitely uh, a lot of fun. Um, you know, of course, not without a lot of the controversy with uh, some of the rain stuff, but you know, we'll get into it here. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of argy bargy, as uh, as uh, Calvin Fish would like to say, um, and uh, there was lots of not action i can't say it like um uh, lee diffie but um maybe after a couple of beers i'll try um we have a guest tonight uh the nascar beat reporter for lastoutmedia.com joseph Pissero, somebody that i've we've been following each other for the last basically few months during covid time and great writer does great work previewing posts pre and post race also does other features for the website uh, another jersey guy so we have to keep it local uh thanks for coming on joe thanks for having me you know it's uh i, I was not too long ago on like my first podcast uh as you know a, a guest and it was a lot of fun so uh when when you tweeted me about this actually i was super excited uh knowing that it was specifically about racing <laughs> oh no we 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 covered a we cover a whole lot of stuff on here. We just we cover racing mostly, of course, but you know we cover football. We cover we're gonna get into bowling more here soon enough because I'm spending enough time doing it and I'm spending enough money on it. I mean, when the guys are asking me how many bowling balls you have and I save too many, I, that's that that means I'm probably spending too much on it. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll get into all that and we'll. Uh, we'll talk about the Daytona road course, all three races this weekend, Christopher Bell, a first time winner in the cup series in the 20 car, not a noted road racer. Joe mentioned that before we went on the show and it's true. Um, and we'll get into all that and all the other nonsense I went on with Clyde who probably should have won the race, but didn't, uh, and other things. We'll also get into Ty Gibbs, the chosen one, uh, the prodigal grandson going and winning his Xfinity debut and uh, setting the whole the whole sport on its lid. Uh, he's four foot seven or whatever he is and, and got a lead foot. And um, his grandfather prayed enough Hail Marys, but I don't think he needs to pray that many Hail Marys. That kid is good. Um, he's got Denny Hamlin. I don't know where Denny Hamlin's gotten fired up. All of a sudden he's got a personality. Um, all the things that he's saying on social media, going after writers and stuff, which is great. Um, I don't mind it because he owns the car of one of my, or co-owns the car of one of my drivers. So it's whatever. Um, yeah. Ty Gibbs going and winning that race was a big deal and it was an amazing performance, honestly. Um, it, you haven't really seen, I mean, you've seen that kind of talent, but Sam Mayer's kind of been able to get him in the X in the Arca series and K and N or whatever. But now I'm curious to see how that rivalry builds once the second half of the season starts. And both those guys are going to be an Xfinity top flight Xfinity equipment. That'll be something to see. And then uh, the truck debacle, uh, 
that took place on Friday night, which I think they're still under yellow. Um, and Michael Waltrip is still talking about how he's going to use enough Crisco to fit his fat ass into the SRX car or whatever, probably KY jelly. Cause he probably has an overflow of that. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to even remember. It was such a horrible race, that race. Uh, and Rhodes won. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. That's yeah why, he had that's that battle with Sheldon Creed. Yeah. Sheldon Creed ran out of brakes and he was kept on like uh flat spotting his tires. So that'll do it. Uh, another guy with a mullet, a uh, guy that I do appreciate with a mullet, uh, Robbie Gordon Jr. Struggled there defending serious champion. No sponsor, which is, shows you the health. Everyone wants to talk about this, the depth of the series and the health of the series. The defending series champion does not have a sponsor. Yeah, that's a healthy series. Um, with that, we'll get into the Cup Series event. Uh, it was the... Uh, what is it? O'Reilly Auto Parts 253. Since, you know, they really have to go with accurate numbers since the typical NASCAR, the, the average NASCAR fan can count that high. Um, Christopher Bell is your winner for the first time in his cup career and only his second start in the uh, Joe Gibbs Racing number 20 car after he yard sailed a third of the field in the Daytona 500. Had a good run, though. Uh, definitely a great performance to go and beat the the likes of uh, Joey Logano and Hamlin and you know uh, Logano ended up leading a lot of laps of course Clyde was up there led the most laps like per usual but uh, issues for him and uh, yeah I mean uh, we'll uh, go with you Josh you were there what was it like what was the atmosphere like at the track well, protocols, how was that whole thing trying to get in? And then watching Chris Bell get his first win. That's a die cast. I had his first Xfinity win die cast. I don't know if I still have it. I know that uh, that would be a, that is a good one to get for sure, even though he didn't get to do burnouts. Yeah, for this, uh, the atmosphere, I mean, there wasn't really like um, a ton of people there as far as like traffic goes like going there i mean it, it only took like an hour and then once once i was like kind of like in the vicinity of the track it started to pick up with traffic but even with that i mean it wasn't that bad i mean i was able to get parked relatively quickly and all that and then um you know just walking to the racetrack uh, um i mean there's definitely uh, a good number of people there but like it wasn't like it was super busy or anything and um i mean i don't know the exact number of the uh, attendance of the race, uh, that day, but I mean, I was able to get in pretty quickly at, at the track. I mean, I walked around a little bit, uh, at the, uh, the trailers, you know, where they sell the, uh, trinkets and all that and the t-shirts. And, um, I mean, they definitely had some people there, but it wasn't, um, like too crowded by any means. And I didn't buy anything there, but I mean, I don't think I would have had to have waited too long to, um, you know, get up there to purchase an item if I wanted to, but, uh, I walked in there pretty quick. I mean, the, the uh, COVID protocols, um, they didn't really do anything um, like heavily involved. All they did is they just uh, did a temperature scan with the um, uh, temperature thermometer that they, you know, they just scanned it on your forehead real quickly. And 
I mean, I took my temperature before the race just to, you know, be sure and everything that I would be good to go. That way, when I got there, I wouldn't have any, or at least I could be confident that I wouldn't have any issues. And I mean, they scan you real quick and, you know, let you in. And I mean, I didn't see from my vantage point, I didn't see anybody uh, get like turned around or, or denied entry because their temperature was too high. So, I mean, you know, I guess that's the protocol you had to follow. I mean, um, I guess like within the track too, you're supposed to wear your mask and everything like when you're about the concourse and everything. But uh, once I got to the seats, um, I mean, you know, once everybody was in their seats that there wasn't like uh, as many people wearing their mask. I mean, I'd say it's probably like 50, 50 AS, you know, people not wearing their mask um, or um, having it on. I mean, I just had it on the whole time. I was just like, yeah, I'll just keep it on. Um, I, you know, I don't really care. Don't want to have to keep taking it on and off. So I just, you know, kept it on except for when I either ate something or uh, had a drink. Um, But uh, it was a pretty good, I mean, the atmosphere, like, you know, there and the intros, um, I think Kyle Bush got the most booze. Obviously, I mean, everybody likes to boo Kyle Busch. Uh, Chase Elliott got the most cheers. Um, Kyle Larson got some cheers. Um, it was surprisingly, uh, there was a lot of uh, noise, like a lot of good noise for uh, Daniel Suarez. Um, I don't really know why, but um, that was kind of interesting. They were all like cheering for him uh, when he got introduced. Um, His amigos, oh, Wallace, man. Yeah, His I amigos guess. Amigos and Mr. Mr. 305, Mr. Worldwide. Yeah. What else? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Um I mean, Bubba Wallace, I mean, you know, still there are people booing him, but it was barely like noticeable. It was like, you know, if you were to put it on a scale of like one to 10 of how audible it was, it was like a two. So, um, you know, I mean, granted there was, it was a lot smaller crowd than what maybe what we're used to seeing, but I mean, like there was, you know, barely anything for that. And I mean, I know people in the past have highlighted that, but it, you know, wasn't that bad uh, and barely anything for that. But, you know, as far as the race itself, you know, when anybody spun out, you know, people would point at it and, um, you know, the crowd would react and then they were, um, whenever they had the stage win, um, you know, people clapped and all that for Chase Elliott. And, you know, at the end, people were genuinely happy to see Chris Bell win. So it was a, a good atmosphere on, on that part. Um, I like the the view of the track because you're actually able to see all the action and, um, you know, except for the last chicane, that was the only part I couldn't really see. I and mean, you had to look on the, on the um, fan vision board there, but uh, the actual like, on-track product, you know, you could kind of see like who was racing who amongst the groups of, you know, different cars as they would separate throughout the runs. Um, and, you know, you could watch like uh, the differences in driving between, you know, like Chase Elliott and uh, uh, Christopher Bell. Um, and you could see Christopher Bell, like the line that he was taking versus Chase Elliott's line. And, you know, he's able to keep up with uh, the 20 or the nine car throughout the run, like in stage two and, uh, you know, the beginning part of stage three before the rainbow caution there. Um, so that was interesting. And then, you know, every now and then, um, there'd be some, some groups that would like race against each other. Um, like, and there'd be like, you know, 20 seconds back or whatever, but it was still pretty interesting. And, um, you know, then every now and then you could see like when a driver was trying to set up a pass. And I thought, I thought it was, pretty cool to kind of see a different type of uh racing i guess than what i'm normally seeing at daytona with the restrictor plate racing and i feel like i kind of watched like a more of a um i guess pure race i guess because i know restrictor plate racing you know, you're all kind of in one big pack and you're riding around and then they swap positions uh throughout 
the the front of the pack, but you don't really see like a lot of, I guess, like passing in the the back of the field. You know, they're all kind of stacked together. Whereas the this race, like you can at least see where they're trying to set up a run uh, to pass uh, throughout throughout the field, no matter whether it was the lead or whether it was for twentieth. So I I like that aspect of it. But, you know, with the racing itself, um, I mean, I was impressed that Christopher Bell was able to uh, hang with Chase Elliott. Um, you know, the, didn't think that he was going to be a front runner there at uh, the road courses here this early. But, you know, he was able to do that. And if you look at his history in the Xfinity Series, you know, he won at Road America in 2019. And he also had a couple of top fives at the road courses uh, at Mid-Ohio and I think at also uh, at Watkins Glen during that season. And he, he seems to have uh, done relatively well uh, at the road courses on the Xfinity level. So I guess now that he's in the 20 car and a, a good ride, I'm not that surprised uh, when you look at that history. But, um, you know, initially, like, it was kind of shocking to uh, see him uh, run that well. But um, it's good for him and, you know, glad to see first-time winner and and glad to see that it happened close to the end. And it wasn't, like, kind of like a runaway victory like we thought we might get with Chase Elliott. Well, yeah, that was the thing. I mean, Clyde had it won. Uh, everybody, he had a car that was probably three, four tenths faster than anybody. He was braking deeper. Uh, he had drive off. He had everything. Uh, it looked like Gordon in his heyday. It looked like Tony in his heyday. It looked like insert great road racer in NASCAR history. Ricky Rudd, Rusty Wallace, Terry Labonte. Look like all of them. And that's what Clyde's become. But uh, you're you have to finish the deal, and unfortunately for for Chase, uh, it didn't come through there. Uh, he led for a long period of time, and then uh, got into it, or he got knocked sideways by Corey LaJoy trying to get back up through the field, and then he went and sent Corey LaJoy. Um, Kevin James style and wrecked a seven car. Uh, of course, they didn't show the replay because you can't show the replay of the most popular driver and defending series champion wrecking somebody. That's that's not right. Uh, but, you know, they also threw a caution for a rainbow. So that's also its own thing. Uh, Joe, I'll throw to you. We talked about it before the show. Um, I mean, this combination with Adam Stevens going over to the 20 car, I mean, Kyle Busch has been outspoken and said that basically he quit on Kyle Busch and that he didn't want to make changes. But Adam Stevens is literally the first person that has been able to control Kyle Busch in this series. And Alan Gustafson is now a cup champion. Yeah, say that a few times for fast. Uh, cup champion crew chief, cat skid steer loader. Um, and, uh, and he had Kyle Busch way back when as a rookie crew chief. Uh, and he had a bunch of other guys that he ran well with. So the notion that Adam Stevens and now is with Christopher Bell, who basically has been Toyota's golden boy uh, for many years, uh, that combination is something to look at. Uh, for sure. Um, what else did you take away? Not just from Chris Bell's performance, but what else did you take away uh, from uh, this Sunday's race? 
Well, as far as Christopher Bell goes, again, this is something that we talked about before the show. Uh, he's going to be a threat. And I think we all knew that this combination, right? Because here you have a driver who really dominated when he was in the trucks in the Xfinity series. No matter what he was driving, he was dominating. Uh, and then you have a two-time championship winning crew chief who won with maybe one of the best NASCAR drivers in history that we don't really give that credit to yet because I don't think we've quite realized what we're going to lose when Kyle does retire. But, you know, at the end of the day, these are two really, I think, strong and maybe almost underrated, either overhyped or underrated. I'm not quite sure. Uh, But when you bring them into a combination, you know, I I think off the bat, everybody was like, okay, they're going to be good. Personally, I'll tell you, I expected there to be some time before we got to this point. I was thinking like maybe around July, we might start to see the success uh, on a consistent basis out of the 20 team. But really, they brought a really great car to the uh, to the Daytona 500 and the duels and everything that they did there. Even in, uh, And then they go to the road course. And of course, they hang with Chase like you guys were talking about. And that was really when I first realized, I said, okay, Christopher Bell is already in winning contention. He's hanging on. And at one point, too, he closed the gap from about a second and a quarter, maybe, to six tenths. Well, he was closing down on Chase. And, you know, when you've had, when Chase, the guy who's won the past four road races, five out of the last uh, seven, I think it is, or five out of the last eight, you know, that's a message. Uh, and he might not mean it as a message because he's a competitor. He's out on the track and he's doing his job. But that should be a message to the rest of the field. He's not here to play around. He wants to win, and now he has. And I think, you know, especially given that I didn't think they were going to be at this point already, that's alarming, right? Like one of the things I, I always talked about last season, even before I started writing, was it was alarming how Chase Elliott was running so well and still not winning races. And then when he did win races, ended up winning a championship last year. You know, to me, this is alarming as a competitor of Christopher Bell's. Oh, man, he just won. And there's still X amount of races left, 34 points races left. Uh, So I do think there's a significant chance that he could become a multi-time winner in this uh in this season uh as far as the rest of the race one of the big things that i've tried to look into more to research if i can uh whatever you want to call it was that caution uh you know i'm not a big fan of cautions i know a lot of people like it because of the restarts i like the races to be green when possible Uh, And to me, that was one of those times. I didn't think they needed a caution. Yes, I saw the rain for a few seconds, and it didn't seem like it was affecting the track. Uh, I noticed that Chase in that time had, you know, lengthened his gap about uh, two-tenths of a second. I didn't see any wrecking. I didn't hear anybody uh, complaining on the radio because, you know, I, I try and dial in on the uh, the online uh, scanners when I can. I didn't hear any complaints, really. 
that, hey, my car is really going south. Um, I think moving forward, that's something I want in the hands of the drivers. I don't want NASCAR to call the caution. Um, you know, we talked about, I'm, you know, I'm sort of learning Formula One right now, and that's one of the things I really like. If it's raining and you want to try and manage your tires, if you want to throw a Hail Mary because you're far back and uh, you might want to jump for some track position, go for it. Uh, I didn't like that they threw the caution, especially because I feel like right after they did, it stopped. And, I mean, this is Florida year-round. I traveled down there once or twice a year, and this is normal. It always rains. It rains, whether it's a short rainstorm or a long rainstorm, it rains every single day. So that should be expected. So, you know, man, I... It's hard because then, too, I listen to like the Dale Jr. download, right? And Jr.'s talking about, well, he's talked to some of the spotters who are at the track. He had a similar thought process to me, but he goes and he talks to some of the spotters who are at the racetrack, and they're saying, well, it was a lot worse than what the TV uh, broadcast portrayed it. You know, they were getting wet. A lot of the track was getting wet. And actually, Josh, I was curious to ask you. Uh, you know, the grandstands are only on the front stretch now. Were you guys feeling any rain? Because to me, it seemed like it was maybe over turn two and kind of lingering into the infield portion of the track, but it didn't seem like it was raining anywhere else. Yeah, so for the rain, uh, I felt a little bit of it, and I, you know, saw a little bit of it on my phone screen, and, you know, there is definitely, like, um, some raindrops, like, on my shirt. Uh, for a brief moment of time, but it was barely anything. It was basically just a little sprinkle shower, nothing more than that on on the front stretch. And I sat uh, like on the dog leg portion of the front stretch, like right, I guess as far as the road course track goes, like basically a direct view of the first turn going in into uh, the road course right there. And I didn't really um, feel any rain right there. Um, so it, was, it felt like it was barely anything. And yeah, I, I guess like from the um, in-person aspect, maybe like on the spotter stand, there could have been a little bit more rain, I guess, uh, on there. Cause you know, it, it varies, you know, some parts may only get a little bit of rain and, uh, other parts may get more rain. I mean, it's a big track, but I mean, for me, um, it felt like that it was barely any rain at all. And they basically threw the caution for a sprinkle and maybe, you know, on the, on the track, it was a little bit different, but I mean, to me, it, uh, even in the stands actually there, it, it didn't really seem like it was anything. And, you know, they kind of just threw a caution for, uh, just a little sprinkle on a rainbow, I guess, but, uh, it definitely changed the, the race itself. And we went from seeing maybe Chase Elliott dominating the race to, um, a bunch of restarts and then him getting behind and then, uh, having, trying to make up uh, more spots and then driving through the grass. And then later, uh, you know, he was trying to pass Brett Keselowski and he was coming uh, on the outside of him and coming back onto the racetrack. And I think he was trying to do like an over under move. And then he crossed over into, uh, Denny Hamlin's uh, front bumper and then spun himself out there. Uh, and that basically ended his run, uh, uh, to try to win the race. But in general, I mean, there was a, a lot of cautions that were unnecessary. Um, cause you know, you had the, the first lap, they threw a caution because, uh, uh, Michael McDowell um, had a, a flat tire, and then him and Kyle Busch, uh, I think they ran into each other, or they 
both like had their own incidents, and then Kyle there was, Bush I guess, maybe ran off. Yeah, uh, yeah, he yeah. The S's there. Yeah, he yeah. clipped the grass, and it just took off a little tiny piece of the nose. Really, yeah. it was more of a a hole or a crack than it was taken off a piece. Yeah, right. But I mean, it it wasn't like. I didn't think there should have been a caution for that. Like it, to me, that didn't look like it was impeding anybody or like there was like some unsafe condition that would have warranted uh, having the full course yellow. And then a couple laps later, they had another caution uh, for debris um, in turn one. And yeah. I didn't think that was necessary. And then like a couple laps later, we had the end of stage one and it's like, well, we just had two cautions, and then now we're having another caution that, yeah, we knew it was going to happen, but it's like, you no, know, there's so many cautions, you know. And granted, it was only a couple laps, but still, it's like, it just goes on and on. And then, um, you know, then again, there's, you know, a couple more cautions for a wreck or for the end of stage, uh, which actually, there's only one caution in uh, stage two, and uh, it broke a run of eight laps and six laps uh, before the end of stage two. And then... Then we didn't see another caution after that until the rain, and then then the, another accident, and then another accident. Um, but uh, it just the stage cautions themselves, especially at the road courses, and I feel like uh, especially with that, like um, it definitely impacted the flow of the race. And you know, I'm it's not just NASCAR fans saying. I mean, even people who are casual fans that were were there, like kind of just to promote the sport. Um, you know, even, even people like that, you know, they're, uh, they feel like the stage cautions definitely break up the, the flow of the race. Cause I mean, definitely without it, you don't get as many yellows and it definitely hurts the strategy at road races. Um, because you know, there's different things that you can try with strategy as far as fuel goes and as you know, how you manage your tires and, and then the stage yellows kind of throw all that out the window. Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, when you throw in those stage cautions, and it's not just really at the road courses, I think we see this all the time, even at, you know, we saw it in the 500, the way that drivers were, you know, you're strategizing, but you know they're going to come in within a few laps of each other. And, and you know, NASCAR, they've been uh, adjusting the stage lengths uh, to try and add more strategy. And I, honestly, I feel like it's actually worked against it. Yeah. Um you know, I, I, I don't want to speak for them. I, I know they said that their intention is uh, to better the strategy. But in this year's 500, I mean, everybody was coming in within a few laps of each other, really. Um, and that's just what this, these stage cautions do. I wouldn't mind the, you know, entertaining the idea of doing stages and not throwing a caution, right? Yeah. Let it be green. Let the first 10 yeah, guys cross the line on lap whatever. You know, let them cross the line, the top 10 to get points, keep racing. Um, you know, I feel like that presents a new challenge um, and opens the door for more longer-term strategy to play out. You can't really have that much of a long-term strategy with these we, when you know there's a scheduled yellow flag because you're breaking it up essentially into three pieces. Yeah. It's three different races within a race. Um, but yeah, no, so I, it's interesting to hear your take on it. I, that, that's something I, I was very curious about. Um, I've been bouncing ideas back and forth, uh, in my head about writing articles about not only some of the things that went on at the Daytona road course, but in speed weeks that, you know, fans had a very strong social media reaction to, uh, 
one of the other things I was thinking about writing about was Ty Dillon when he was not able to race his way into the Daytona 500. I still think he should have been in the race. Uh, I, I don't, the ruling is very confusing. And yes, NASCAR did go by their rules. So that is good. Uh, but at the same time, I, 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 I'm not real fond of that rule. Uh, although that, that's probably something to save to later if we get to that. I mean, if we're good, yeah, if we really got into all the rules that have been brought up or yeah, rules, I'm doing this with air quotes. We can do it here now with my new computer. If we go through all the things that I've seen, uh, in, going on nearly 30 years it's 28 years 29 years of watching this sport i mean nascar has become more like wwe than a racing series um as you both have brought up in regards to like stages and stage breaks and phantom cautions i mean phantom cautions used to be a thing pre-stage pre the stages being brought in they put in that stupid caution clock just so they could basically say we're going to have stages. It's the same way as they move the numbers back because they know they're going to move the numbers back on the Gen 7 car uh, because that's what, I mean, the reality is the, if they're basing it on the V8 supercar, they have them in a little window, the number, and they have like lights for whatever. So is that going to happen? You know, like, but then they had the stupid strobe lights on the bottom they sold it like it was going to be like the las vegas deal and instead it was like some bs that you bought from kmart and you put it underneath the cars and it was ridiculously bad and of course clyde went out there no mask because of course he'll never get covid um because he's superman of course um but yeah i'll get back to this race i mean great points by you both and and mean the 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 stages i mean i'm a i'm a motorsports fan for god knows how long i watch everything these stages on road courses piss me off to no end the fact they have so many road courses and they don't know how to throw a local yellow is it just it hits me to the core of how stupid i'm and scott miller um who is their shill um and sword swallower who goes and sits there and goes on radio and says all this bs daytona beach mafia bs he's like oh we can't go and do local cautions i'm like oh really you had pro-am cars at the rolex 24 you had people who are like 80 years old or whatever the hell driving around they'll go and spin out you could throw a local yellow but you have these idiot sticks these people who are supposed to be professionals you can't throw a local yellow it's road course racing. If somebody is stalled, you tell them they have 30 seconds. And if they don't move, and if they're in, you, you go and listen to their radio, and you make sure that they're actually trying to move. If they're not trying to move, or they're not saying anything, you go and you, you figure out one of two things. One is you bring out a tow truck to either push them or whatever. You're going to throw your full course yellow. Otherwise, if they sit there and they don't say anything, they want a caution, you, you go and park them for the day or you lose points. There's a way to do this. It's the same way as people not passing inspection. It's simple. It's one shot. You can't pass inspection. You lose 50 points and you lose, you lose $100,000 or $500,000. I'm sure everyone would start passing inspection real quick if you go and find somebody a half a million dollars. 
and you lose a crew chief for five races or whatever, you know, typical Chad Canal suspension, uh, you know, now that, now that he's not a crew chief anymore um, or what it would have been back in the day for Gary Nelson or, or, you know, whoever, Ray Everham uh, before he started going and cheating on his wife and stuff. Um, yeah, we'll go through the re- results there. Christopher Bell, Pizza Face, uh, Hamlin, Kurt Busch, uh, Ronnie the Limo driver's favorite, who was basically a rolling chicane at times. Uh, he, Kurt and, and No Neck were teammates for a long time, and Kurt looked like No Neck with how slow his car seemed at times. But there's a reason why he's been around this long. And there was a comment I forget on Twitter where it's like he drove a TOS car for James Finch with a broken track bar at Sonoma and he finished third. So he's a great road racer. Baba Bowie, Brad Keselowski. I had all kinds of problems. So right now I've got a top five. Uh, Kevin Harvick finished sixth. AJ Adderall-Mendinger came from tailback, as Rusty would say, and uh, finished seventh for Colleague. Michael McDowell, the Daytona 500 champion, uh, finished eighth. So he has two consecutive top tens for the first time in his cup career. Same can be said for Ryan Priest in the – non uh, and in the uh, open number 37 so they have a lot of points so that's a good thing for them and uh, Bowman the showman in the ally Chevy in uh, 10th I mean in terms of other guys I kind of stand and made some good moves Eric Jones had a engine penalty and he was able to come back and finish in the top 15 in the 43 car that's the best road course finish I think that 43 has had in probably five years. Uh, Daniel's Amigos, as uh, Josh said, uh, definitely had something to cheer for. Those cars are cool looking. Uh, Marcus Limonis is buying into it. Those Camping World's going to be sponsoring them a lot. Um, Ty Dillon, uh, as Joe brought up, uh, should have been in the 500. Uh, he should have just been in the 500 because his wife's smoking hot, but that has nothing to do with eligibility for um, making the 500. But he got a top 20. They won't be racing for a while, so that'll be uh, tough for them. Uh, you know, you have a bunch of unlocked cars. Uh, Bubba Walls was up front, went back, up front, went back about five times. In the end, I think car got destroyed. Uh, yeah, he, he locked up the brakes going into turn one. And yeah, he, he yeah. turned it. And then I think he had he had something with the front end too, but you know I mean for the way that Bubba ran uh, for all the haters, the fact is that's probably the best Cup performance he's had on a road course, and he is not a great road racer, and he'll tell you he's not a great road racer. Um, uh, Timmy Hill, uh, congrats to him and his wife; they just had their baby a couple of days ago. Uh, came from uh, got a top thirty there for the 66 car uh kyle larson yeah, he was uh, up there too yeah he, he had a chance to out. win yeah and he and he went and and spit the bit um it's not dirt so you know he's gonna go and do that sort of stuff um LaJoy, yeah, actually, if... oh, sorry yeah I, I just want to jump in here about larson actually this was a conversation i was having with my dad earlier 
I was, he, very similar to Bell, I was thinking it might take a little while before he's back in the competitive mix. Uh, You know, yes, we saw him dominate in the dirt cars last year, but, I mean, going from a dirt midget to a stock car, that's two completely different animals. Yeah. Uh, You know, I figured it might take him a little while to mesh with the Hendrick team, with Cliff Daniels, uh, you know, just getting back in the car and seeing what it was about. I figured, obviously, he's going to be a threat when they go to Bristol. But outside of that, you know, I wasn't really sure. I thought it might take uh, a few more weeks to get up to speed. He was another one. I was really impressed because I don't – I've never, ever thought of Kyle Larson at a road course. He's an awesome road racer. Well, uh, I mean, you talk about him. Sorry. I mean, like Larson, I mean, he was part of the – winning team or the overall winning team at the Rolex 24 back in 2015. I mean, and I mean, he did some, I mean, I remember watching that race and, and he was um, part of the, that team and he got up into the lead, like at like 2 AM. I remember that. And then in 2016 at Watkins Glen, he was like up in the top five at the end of the race. And then uh, he got taken out by AJ Allmendinger on the last corner. And I'm, you know, like, I mean, I don't remember some of his other results at road courses, but I mean, there's, there's a little bit of history there, just kind of like with Bell, just, you know, people kind of, it, it's not as upfront, I guess, as, you know, like Chase Elliott winning all the races all of a sudden at the road courses. But I mean, yeah, I mean, as far as the team with Hendrick, like, yeah, like he could have, uh, like it, it wasn't going to be for a while that we thought he would be competitive. I mean, Homestead is coming up, so yeah. that would be the barometer for him, I guess. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I'm going to say the the two races that I really looked for, uh, or that I circled for him preseason, because uh, one of the things I did was I I went and for all the major teams. I wrote a, a preseason uh, preview article, yeah. basically, and when it came to him. Uh, I had two tracks circled. I had the Bristol Dirt Race and Homestead. And I think these two races in particular are going to be our earliest indicators of where he is at. Um, you know, because these are really good races. I believe he can win at Homestead. I believe, I have no reason not to believe, he can win at the Bristol Dirt Race. And if he, I mean, of course you have things that are out of your hand, but I'm looking at him, not necessarily even if he doesn't win. He's one of the drivers I'm keeping an eye on this weekend because this is really going to be the start of where he shows his hand. Um, and I didn't think I was going to be saying it that early, this early in the season. But, yeah. uh, you know, he he possibly, I, I was thinking, you know, Dale Jr., uh, again, listening to the Dale Jr. download, had said he really likes Kyle Larson's shot to go uh, even as far as the championship four. I'm thinking, like, nah, you're – you're crazy. Well, I think he might. There, there's some method uh, to his madness of thinking because I, I think Larson, if he performs this way and can just execute a little bit better, you know, obviously at the road course, you know, no need to drive that hard. I think he had a better car, would have gotten around him and off to Logano. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to look for that, for the, the execution overall because. Uh, he's clearly in a fast car. He, again, like Bell, did really great in speed weeks uh, that I wasn't necessarily expecting. But uh, I I think there's a lot of potential for that five team this year. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, Homestead, which we will preview uh, across both 
uh, Cup and Xfinity, uh, which is a Kyle Larson track. Uh, he probably should have three wins at Homestead if they weren't trying to fix it for the final four. Uh, he probably should have three wins. You could also blame the fact that he drove for Chip Ganassi in the Cup Series. Uh, I mean, the point you brought up, Josh, in regards to him driving the, the Ganassi DP, definitely, I forgot about that. He His stint in early in, early in the morning back in however many years ago, I mean, it's true, you know, these guys. But you also talk about Chris Bell and Kyle Larson. They've been connected at the hip in regards to running midgets, sprints, the whole bit for years. Um, and they both have – there's a reason why they're two of the best talents that have been in – came into the sport in a long time. Um, there's a reason why D for D, uh, my, uh, Kyle Larson, his dad, they went D for D to get him in there to get a shot so that Ganassi would get him. And he was given the time to build. Uh, so, you know, his 2017 season is something. I'm no Kyle Larson person. It's pretty clear if you listen to the show. Uh, but I, I, it's not because of his driving. I'll always respect his driving ability because the guy is an absolute wheelman. Uh, winning 50% or thereabouts races last year, whatever he was driving, is pretty darn good when his brother-in-law went and won his second world of outlaws title in the process. Um, you know, he's, he's a wheel man for sure. And this cliff Daniels thing, there's another piece to this. Like we talked about with Adam Stevens, cliff Daniels, people wonder, is he really that good? You know, Jimmy's end of his career wasn't the greatest after all these great years and seven championships and 83 wins. He kind of went out with a whimper, which a lot of champions have had to do. Um, not they, you know, and so Cliff Daniels is on a, you know, prove it kind of deal. He's like, yeah, I want to show I can do this. You have Kyle Larson who wants to show I want to be here and not be in the world of outlaws, which I just, I figure he wants to be in the world of outlaws. He just wants to get the money to be able to run there. Um, and you'll get paid way more money to drive a stock car and run 10th every week than you will for winning the average world outlaw race or whatever. Um, he also, I mean, there's other comments I make, but I'll, I'll leave them. I'll try to work cleaner here um, for talking in circles. I'll do it here for the, the GSP, but yeah, it's definitely a point. I mean, Homestead between Kyle Larson, there's three guys here, Kyle Larson, Chase Briscoe. I mean, he was up, he went tailback, got spun out early in the race, uh, was all the way up in the top 10, uh, lost power steering, and then his hood came up and flew up. I think he has to stop going to Panda Express uh, for the sake of everybody, um, including his colon, um, that's not working. Uh, he goes and destroys race cars. He's two for two this year. But I will say his sponsor... Uh, High Point went and liked one of my posts, and they're from Jersey. Uh, they used to sponsor Rutgers Stadium uh, before it became SHIT Stadium. Uh, now it was High Point Solution Stadium, and uh, now they're with Chase Briscoe. So uh, they're a great group, and they love their fans. They want to support this guy, and he'll figure it out. I think the 
early days. I mean, the rookie battle is going to be ugly uh, between him and and uh, Fast Pasta because there's going to be a lot of pain. I think they're one for. I think they split the races so far in 2021 uh, in terms of finishing positions. A high rookie finisher, but there's going to be a lot of pain until about halfway through the season. I do feel like this weekend is an opportunity, even with the crappy 550 package, because Chase Briscoe at Homestead, I mean, he was seven laps down or whatever in the first Xfinity race last June, and he was on the lead lap late. Um, He's that good there. And also Tyler Reddick, who is a two-time Xfinity champion, uh, there uh, dominated at Homestead, started deep in the field last year, got all the way to fourth and basically plateaued out right there. But he's another one that we will be talking about. I'm looking at odds. I'm willing to go and kind of put a few bucks on this race for those three guys, uh, amongst, of course, the regulars or Hamlin and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, Kyle Bush, of course, uh, had a lot of stuff happen to him. He fell back. He finished 35th. Uh, Reddick mentioned him. D Burrito issues. Uh, Quinn Huff, who stiffed uh, Clayton on the GS or on the talking in circles on the interview because they had some BS vodka company sponsoring him. Uh, the fact is everybody here on the GSP is probably a better driver than Quinn Huff. So there's that. Um, we'll go on to the uh, point standings here in the cup series early on. Uh, Denny Hamlin, of course, he's won three stages uh, so far in the four that have taken place. Uh, Logano second, Harvick, Bell, Elliott, McDowell, Priest, Kurt Busch, Austin Dillon, and Brad Keselowski is your top 10. Uh, right now, it's a 40-point gap between Denny Hamlin and Brad Keselowski. So it's already, it tells you how much them stages really mean in regards to uh, uh, the stage points. But, you know, the cutoff right now is O'Richard. Uh, Kyle Busch is three points behind him. But that'll change. Uh, Chastain, of course, got wrecked by Blaney. Uh, but he's still in the top 20 people that are the rookie battle is really close. It's literally three points. Uh, Joey Gase is in, he didn't even run last week. McMurray is ahead of guys that have that ran both races. That's not good. Uh, you know, what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys. Uh, Blicky eight. Yeah. Quinn Huff, nine. Matt T. Burrito, holy. That is ugly. He has five points so far this year. That's a nightmare. Um, and he doesn't have a job next year. Um, so good luck to D. Burrito. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens with all that. Um, another race, of course, uh, another first-time winner that um, was really big deal. Uh in, in regards to what's, I guess, the future of the sport, uh, the Superstar Batteries 188 was Ty Gibbs 
who's uh, now going to run 15 races this year. So basically he's running for rookie of the year this year. Uh, beats uh, Gumby, who led the most laps, but kind of got into some argy-bargy. Uh, Daniel Hemrick gets the top five. Brandon Jones, Bruckshot Jones started tailback and uh, finished fourth. Jeb Burton fifth. Uh, his cousin Harrison finished sixth. He was up there leading for a little bit. Miguel Paluto and the cool-looking Brant Chevy first NASCAR or Xfinity race uh, in 10, 11 years or something like that. First NASCAR race in like seven or eight years. Brandon Brown has back-to-back top 10 finishes to start this season. Uh, of course, you got that. You got Justin Haley. And uh, Jeremy Clemens, top 10. He's a noted road racer, one at Road America way back when. Matt Tift. Um, Brett Moffitt finished 11th there in terms of people who got stages. Snyder. Snyder finished 13th. Uh, Kyle Weatherman and, and uh, Mike Harmon, piece of trash. I another guy got a top 20. Uh, uh, yeah, Greg Alding level. Look at that. Allgaier, you know, stage points, he finished uh, 26th. Ryan Siegel had a lap. Andy Lally got stage points, but finished in 31st. Bailey Curry in one stage got stage, one stage got in 32nd. Preston Pardis, his dad, great uh, ARCA racer and former announcer, uh, great road racer, MX5 champion, 33rd. And of course, um, AJ Allmendinger, which we'll get into here in a little bit. Uh, but I'll throw to you, Joe, first. In regards to Xfinity, Ty Gibbs, uh, the second coming. Uh, Joe Gibbs has prayed it on all these years um, to have somebody that has has his uh, name because his sons couldn't drive. I mean, J.D. Gibbs, God bless his soul, he's up there. Um, Ty, or I mean, or Coy couldn't drive. Um, but he did get run over by Kevin Harvick the one time and um, Kevin Harvick got suspended because of it. Uh, but I'll tell you, Ty Gibbs, what a performance on Saturday. It it was, it looked like Kyle, I was saying it looked like Kyle Busch. I thought Kyle Busch was in the 54 car, but he had a really small guy in there that, that has the same name. I had the same exact thought that it looked so much like Kyle Busch might not be great at the beginning of the race, but you know the an aggressive, controlled aggressive uh, driving style, and uh, you know making very veteran moves. Um, I was really shocked with the way he was able to race really pretty cleanly around a lot of the guys, especially on the restarts when you get into those big wads of packs that just seem to go three wide into these corners where you can't go three wide. Um, and you know I, I of course got a little bit lucky went through some dirt that easily could have ripped up his car. Um, you know, takes luck to win every race, but, but uh, some luck there. But honestly, I'm, I'm really surprised with his talent. Uh, I don't follow Arkham Menards too much. I don't follow K&N uh, too much, not nearly as much as I should for sure. Um, but, you know, I, I had heard of him coming into this race. Uh, now, I knew he was in good equipment. Did I think he was going to win? No. You know, I, 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 my pick was Austin Sendrick. You know, coming off a Daytona win, a championship, 
and not to mention whatever number of road course races he's won in the past two years. Uh, you know, and given he still was up at the front, but I think with uh, Ty, he was, and, you know, the car didn't start out so great. He made it better. He adjusted his driving style. The team adjusted the car. And that's really what champions do in this sport. You notice that, you know, and then that was something I think Jimmy Johnson, when he had bad days, he, he adjusted himself. Chad and the pit crew adjusted the car and somehow they would take home a top 10 with a half wrecked car. Um, Cause I remember them doing that at Kansas. So, you know, that's what this reminds me of. Now, unfortunately we're not going to get to see Ty a part of the championship battle this year because he's only running half the season. Uh, however, I am now very interested to see what this young man does, uh, you know, in the next uh, 14 or 15 races that he's going to be racing him. Uh, this is a real great opportunity. He's going into top-notch equipment. He's already knocked out one win in one race. He's one for one. Uh, I think they said uh, uh, he's the eighth driver to do it, uh, seventh different driver to do it. And you look at some of the names that were on that list, most notably, of course, Dale Earnhardt. Uh, you know, Dale, Dale Earnhardt, the man, seven titles. So uh, I don't like to get too far forward into foreshadowing, you know, is he going to win seven cup championships? I, I, don't, I don't look at it like that. But I definitely think here you're going to have somebody who's competing for a 2022 NASCAR Xfinity Series championship. Uh, he, he's obviously a young talent. And then I like what you said earlier about Sam Mayer. I'm really excited to, to see. I need to look up and uh, take a better look at when the two of them are running together. I know oh, yeah. Sam's sort of running the number eight car the second half of the year. And then Ty is a little bit more spread out. Uh, I'm really curious. I'd love to see those two cars because I think you have two really good equipped cars that can go out and win races. And I think you have two really young drivers who are hungry, who want to prove themselves to land this ride in 2022 so they can compete for a championship. Uh, but Ty, I think right now, he is uh, he's definitely one that we're going to watch. Maybe not, it's not for a win every week, but I definitely want to keep an eye on him see if he's consistent and and see, you know, does he start the race off? Not so great. And then progress, because if that's something he's consistently able to do, I do think he's going to land a ride. Maybe not the 54, uh, maybe another Gibbs car. I don't believe, uh, I believe Hemrick's only on a one or two year deal. Uh, Brandon Jones. I'm not sure when his contract expires. And and, (laughs) that's a good point. Uh, and then Burton, of course, I think he's probably, uh, you know, if 2311 decides to expand, I think he's the primary pick there. Yeah. Uh, so whether he's taking over the 20 or another Gibbs car, I expect Gibbs, uh, Ty Gibbs, that is, to be in the Xfinity series based off of this one performance. Uh, but it'll be interesting because sometimes, you know, it's a one, you know, you see one race and it's great. They do great. And then it's like, what the hell happened to them? I Trevor Bain, look at him, you know, wins the Daytona 500. And then, I mean, the rest of his cup career is forgettable easily. Uh, so, I, I, you know, it will be more time before we get a real good feel of what he's more about. But I'm definitely interested. And I, the, the talent's clearly there. Yeah. yeah. Sam Mayer and him and Ty Gibbs are going to be, uh, they've been a rivalry for a few years now. 
uh, running what was Canon, now Arco East and West. Uh, but those two guys, I think if their Krauss somehow or another is able to sneak through, uh, he's another one. There's a couple other guys out West, Jesse Love, um, you know, there are a couple of guys that, that are out there on the West Coast and then also on the East side that, you know, they're, the, the future is bright. Um, it's kind of hard to see it um, in regards to some of these series, but the, the, the rivalry between it's underreported, and I guess it's an opportunity for you, Joe, uh, to the Sam Mayer versus Ty Gibbs deal. If we really dig into it, they've had some great battles and they race each other really hard. And Sam Mayer, his dad, um, was a failed indie IRL racer. I don't know where this money's come from, but dude, kid can drive. I mean, he went and won his first truck race last year at Bristol, got out of it, jumped in a K&N car, or I mean an ARCA car, whatever the heck they're calling it. I think it was ARCA last year. ARCA East car won last year at Bristol. I mean, who does that kind of crap? That's a Kyle Busch. That's, those are those kind of guys do that these guys are in a different level and of course you add the fact that of course you know he's rev gibbs grandson um they're the the reality is for all those guys in that xfinity program and even in the truck program you think about john hunter nemechek who hedged to go and probably come back to the cup series um, you know, I think for Chris Gale, this is a big deal because he's been with um, uh, Eric Jones for the last couple of years, two, three years, and it's been a tough slog for them. Um, and his his stock kind of went down a little bit. Um, now his stock all of a sudden, now he's like, okay, Rev Gibbs is going to connect him with, with Ty and like, okay, you're going to be his crew chief. He might have just saved, not only saved himself, short term you save himself long term and uh you know there's a whole lot of moving pieces there i mean the reality is he's not going to compete for this championship he's going to be competing for an arca championship this year but the after math of this race is going to be seen for a long time uh he's going to compete for rookie of the year i don't know if he will win rookie of the year but he's won a race so it's going to be hard to if they could give Cole Custer rookie of the year if he was the third best rookie last year then based on that notion then Ty Gibbs has probably won rookie of the year already um Josh I want to throw to you uh you know we talked about Gumby he finished second he's the best road racer in this series he's a experienced road racer but uh he basically ran over AJ Allmendinger at the end of the first stage for whatever reason, which I think we want to talk about rivalries. I think we've just developed another one because AJ Allmendinger is another short guy um, like Ty Gibbs and he gets really angry. Um, They have probably lit a fuse at uh, college racing with um, AJ Allmendinger. And when they went and when uh, Austin Sindrick went and, and sent him into the uh, the trioval grass. Yeah, the 
move that happened there at the end of stage one, coming to the conclusion of that in the Xfinity race uh, was really unnecessary by, I think, both drivers because Austin Sindrick was trying to make a pass to win the stage and get that stage point, get the playoff point uh, for the title. And and then also A.J. Allmendinger uh, kind of cut down onto uh, uh, Austin Sindrick there and you know, he was trying to kind of pinch him down there, not necessarily throw a block, but, you know, kind of like uh, the side drafting type of move, not necessarily a side draft, but he was trying to um, keep him from uh, passing him there. And, you know, we talked about stage racing earlier with the cautions. Well, this is the other part of it is sometimes uh, the result of stage racing is that unnecessary moves happen um, in, in a race that, shouldn't really happen at all that you don't really see in other races and it creates um unnecessary moments where drivers either get too aggressive or they you know they try something too risky to try to get uh one extra point or well you know they get 10 extra points if you're the winner for the stage uh win but you know that that one playoff point that um nascar has made uh, to be so necessary, you know, to move on in the uh, playoffs later in the season. And um, it creates, or it, it's artificially creating a, a moment that shouldn't have happened in the first place. Because um, if there wasn't a stage caution there, you know, you could easily see Sindrick or Almendinger letting him go and then trying to pass him back later on, uh, in the race or, you know, later on in that run. And then we could have talked about uh, how that portion of race was a great battle between uh, Almendinger and Sindrick there. And instead we, you know, we have the uh, highlight moment where we see uh, Almendinger in the grass or uh, stop short of the, uh, you know, before the start finish line, just like Richard Petty was in 1976 with the Daytona 500 there. And then also ruins the race for uh, Riley Herbst in the 98 car. Um, Cause I guess he ran into some of the debris and it killed his engine and, you know, that, that part was unnecessary. And then also, you know, if that moment uh, doesn't happen, you know, maybe uh, Ty Gibbs doesn't win the race. Cause I think Almondinger was definitely a, had a strong car there. Uh, Cindric definitely took on some damage, although he ended up leading the most laps. It, I don't think his car was the same uh, after that incident. So if that didn't happen, you know, maybe the race is more of a story between Almondinger and Cindric. Um, so it just creates a lot of you know, unnecessary moments there, but you know, for, uh, Ty Gibbs makes the pass in the grass and somehow the splitter doesn't break and, yeah. and he's able to I don't know uh, get up there and get happened. the win. Yeah. It was crazy. And you know what too, you hit on something that, that really irks me. Um, not, not irks me. You're not mad. Um, I'm not mad at you, <laughs> but just one of the things Right. Uh, so you go back to Riley Herbs getting taken out of the race. First of all, I was really impressed with him in the truck race. Um, you know, I'm still learning about Riley. Uh, was obviously in Xfinity last year a little bit. Um, and to me, he was new. I didn't really know who this guy was. Uh, so, you know, I'm still developing and learning. Um, obviously, he went from Joe Gibbs racing in the number 18 uh, over now to where he's driving in the number 98, uh, taking over for Chase Briscoe. And he really impressed me in the truck series. He finished third, I believe, uh, in that race, and then came over, and I believe at the time of the wreck, he was running third or fourth. 
uh, decides to go through the grass because, you know, it, it's Daytona. It's a split to second decision. And sometimes you got to go through the grass. We've seen it plenty of times. But this generation of car, and I don't care if it's the cup car, the Xfinity car, or the truck, because the trucks have this issue too. When they run through the grass, they they plow it. They, I mean, the whole nose, we've seen uh, the nose will come up and the radiator will get destroyed. The car will go on fire. I, You know, one of the, the wrecks I really most vividly remember is Dale Jr., right? At Texas in 2014. He just, I mean, he just barely clipped uh, in that in uh, in the dog leg of Texas, just barely clipped the grass. Boom! I mean, the car was a wreck after that. I mean, it lives on in the graveyard, but that's not the ideal life of a race car, I don't think. Uh, you know, so one of the things I've been trying to advocate for, and you know, right now I'm a li- I'm a little voice in the industry, but I'm a voice, and I'm hoping to use it. One of the things I've advocated so hard for is I want turf at all of the racetracks. That first race at the Charlotte Roval, there were a lot of moments where cars got saved uh, by having that turf. And I believe, actually, that turf was already in place at the 2018 Coke 600, which I was at. Uh, And I remember a few cars spinning through there and getting through okay. So, I mean, I'm not saying go and cover all the runoff areas at Watkins Glen with uh, turf and, you know, cover every last inch of non-racing surface with turf. That's not what I want. Uh, But I I think, you know, Charlotte has set the example, and this is something that we need to work through in the future, right? Riley Herb should have gone through, you know, he should have been able to go through the grass, avoid the wreck, and come back out on track. Unfortunately, because of all the crummy Florida weather that rolled through, you know, hits a little bit of dirt, boom, the whole car, his day's done. I mean, you you can't have that. Sometimes there's no option to go through on the racetrack because the racetrack could be clogged. We've seen it. We've seen it. It's happened at Martinsville. It's happened at Daytona before, these massive wrecks. Now, this wasn't a massive wreck, but, you know, it's just when, when team owners... And drivers, they talk about how they want to save all the money. This seems like a little investment for a long term that can save many, many cars, no matter what track it's at. Las Vegas, uh, Fontana, although I don't know, they might not have grass for, for Fontana once they redo it. Uh, but, you know, that, that actually bothered me more than the Almondinger Cindric incident itself. Right. And to kind of add on to that point with the grass, uh, also, you have to think about like, there's a lot of factors that go into the car basically exploding once it hits the grass. And uh, they have lowered the ride height. You know, there's basically no ride height in the Cup Series. And I don't know if there's ride height still in the Xfinity Series, but, um, you know, it's been a thing ever since they've eliminated ride height that a car goes into the grass and then 
it immediately the splitter explodes and the splitter it's been known to be a thing that mo- basically mows the grass i mean if you go back to the early days of the cot when it was still being introduced in 2007 and you know it became a, a new ph- a phenomenon where the uh, car spinning out through the grass like it would basically mow the grass essentially and just pick up a, a bunch of grass and and have uh you know chunks of sod sitting in the splitter uh you know in the next to the braces and there have been incidents throughout the uh gen 5 uh history with the, the cot and then later on with the the gen 6 uh where drivers have uh driven through the grass even post-race like carl edwards 2011 all-star race jimmy johnson 2013 uh daytona 500 where they went and tried to do a donut in the grass and then destroyed the car um because of the unevenness in the the grass so i think you know the the ride heights definitely uh play a lot into that uh, part, but then also, you know, the you make great point about the tracks should have on the front stretch grass. They should all have turf because it's an uneven surface, and um, they uh, don't have uh, the um, traction. I guess like once you, once you get into the the grass, like um, you could spin yourself out as well, um, especially if it's wet, like like it was at Daytona. Um, and I think with turf, you know, obviously you save the car because the splitter doesn't get destroyed. And then also, um, you don't lose control of the car once you get into the grass. Cause we've seen that throughout the history of stock car racing is anytime a car gets in the grass, it immediately loses traction and spins out and goes into the wall or, or back up onto the racetrack. So, I mean, it's a lot of, a lot of factors and, you know, hopefully smarter minds can realize that. Uh, they should all just go to turf uh, for the front stretch grass, at least. Or just get rid of splitters. That'd be a novel concept. And go back to a valence. And They're not going to uh, do lift, that. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, they but should. You, you know, the, the next-gen car, looking at some of the pictures that have been out, it doesn't quite look like a valence, but it also doesn't look like it's got as prominent of a splitter. So I, I don't know what they're doing there. I'm really interested to hear uh, when – Whenever that announcement comes, I think I heard, you know, expect something in April. Um, I, I'm really curious to see what direction they go in with that. Because on, honestly, I, I like the uh, the splitters and, you know, I never had a problem with the valance either. So I'm pretty indifferent on the issue. But that, that's the one thing about the splitters that I really don't like is just how they mow the grass. Um, and again, it's a fixable issue. Really, I'm shocked SMI didn't go to turf on all their tracks after 2018 uh, when they did it at Charlotte. To me, it seems like a no-brainer. If I had the type of money Bruton Smith has, I would have bought out every other racetrack. I would have put turf on them too. No, you should just go and put turf all over Texas Motor Speedway and make it into a football stadium. It would be a service to society. Um, but <laughs> um, but even then, uh, I mean, great points in regards to that. I mean, yeah, turf – Definitely, but there's also you could get rid of the damn splitters. Um, and they talk about downforce. I mean, there's no need. The point is, they should be hard to drive. You shouldn't have these things. They shouldn't look like a road racing vehicle by putting a stupid splitter on the car. It's more like a road racing vehicle. Granted, the Gen 7 car is basically, you know, a V8 supercars, Gen 2 or whatever. Um, but the Xfinity series has the best looking, they have the best competition probably last few years 
They have the best aero package and best engine package. Get rid of the splitter and let them have a valence. Get them things off the ground. Those things would be the best. That would be the best race of the weekend. Probably why I want to. It's not the only reason why I only want to go to Saturday races, but um, well, they'd probably be on a Sunday at Pocono. I have to look at it again. But um, the reality is they have the best racing for the last few years, and it's because they have a little tiny spoiler at most of the racetracks. They have max horsepower. The what I mean, whatever max horsepower is with the tapered spacer, um, and they're running the same tires as a Cup car, but they're sliding around. They're having to drive hard. There's a little bit more action there. Why wouldn't you go with that package? Well, I don't know. Um, the Daytona Beach Mafia thinks that having a big ass spoiler is is a good thing. Um, I hope they make that Bush Beer race the big-ass spoiler 400 presented by Dale Jr. Because it's it's a stupid thing. Nine-inch spoiler on the back of the car. I mean, it's like some crap like you'd see on somebody's Honda Civic doing some sort of um, uh, when, when uh, Fast and Furious was actually about cars. Um, when they put the stupid wing that has no functionality on there, and you put that, and then you restrict all the horsepower out of it, so it's basically no faster than like a regular road vehicle, um, which is why they go and demo derby two thirds of the field at Daytona and Talladega for fun. Uh, it's the same kind of thing with running the 550 rules package. It's a joke. It's only the reality is you need restarts to make it work. And that's the sad thing. People are going to say, Oh, this race at Homestead's going to be boring. I've realized that Homestead it's a long run track and we'll get into that. And you need to be able to have a tire that works. The problem is bad year doesn't know what a good tire is. They haven't made one for about two decades. Um, and that's why uh, we are where we're at. There's many reasons why we are where we're at. But, um, you know, good points by you both in regards to what we saw. Um, I mean, yeah, turf, sure. I mean, Daytona International Speedway, you could have, they've paved everything else. You could go and put turf, like in the infield road course, kind of leave it. But in the Daytona Trioval, especially considering you have the 500 especially considering you have the Daytona Supercross coming here in a couple of weeks. If if the Arizona Cardinals can go and roll out their field and then put it back in, you can roll out turf, put it back in. Of course, in Florida, it's not as big a deal. You can put that. It's a better idea. It's a logical idea when you consider they all got PPP loans anyway. They could probably go and put turf there but uh, they need to have grass and just destroy vehicles for the uh, sake of destroying them. And speaking of sake of destroying vehicles, um, or actually I'll, I'll, uh, before I go and, and get into destroying vehicles in the truck series race, uh, Cindric leads the points right now, uh, 24 point lead over Harrison Burton, Hemrick, Brandon Brown, Myatt Snyder, and then you have Jeb in the top five. Then you have Jeb Burton, Jeremy Clemens, Ty Gibbs with his win, his eighth. Of course, he's not going to run the full season. So you have Justin Haley, 
Brandon Jones, Kyle Weatherman, uh, Jersey's Joe Graff Jr., uh, who has some football players sponsoring him for whatever reason. And then uh, Jesse Little would be the cutoff. Uh, Ty Dillon actually uh, is would be the closest competitor. He's only three points back. Uh, Landon Castle is four points back with Matt Mills, uh, who I think causes a caution in every single race. Um, guys behind that, you have uh, A.J. Allmendinger, Justin Allgaier, Riley Herbst. Uh, those are guys that will probably be moving up. Uh, Michael Annette, even though he sucks. Uh, Brian C., Noah Gregson. So there's some guys that are buried right now that have been regular or playoff performers. Three, four, yeah, five, six. Those are, yeah, so the this point's situation, you know, you figure Brandon Brown will come back to earth. You know, Jeremy Clemens, you know, Ty Gibbs, Weatherman, Graf. And so the, the Xfinity Championship to make the top 10 is going to be difficult this year. Uh, wins will be at a premium uh, to go and uh, make it into their playoff. Even though it's 12 drivers, it'll still be a little more difficult than it has been in uh, recent years. Uh, moving on to the truck series, the, uh, what do they call that? The best brake brake pads 159 saw Ben Rhodes take two straight wins to start his uh, 2021 campaign. Um, Sheldon Creed, defending series champion, led the most laps, uh, finished second. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek won a stage, led uh, second most laps, finished third. Todd Gilliland Herbst in the uh, 17 for David Gilliland's team. Matt Craft and Derek Krause, Kaz Grala in the uh, Young's Motorsports 02. Timmy Hill uh, finished ninth. And then Christian Eckes in his debut for Thor Sport Racing finished 10th. Um, Friesen got let a lap. Uh, Chandler Smith got stage points there. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to mention his name. I use a piece of crap. I won't mention him. Johnny Sauter got stage points in stage one. Tanner Gray, stage points is age two with, with uh, Chase Purdy, finishing second. Brett Moffitt got stage points in stage one, but didn't have a great finish. Raphael Lassard led for five laps and actually won the second stage. Um, uh, of course, uh, the obsession on the Fox telecast and for a certain segment of society finished 28th. And uh, Truex, Austin Hill also, and Zane Smith had stage points uh, before they all finished pretty far back. Uh, Josh, start with you. Uh, Sheldon Creed, of course, defending series champion. John Hunter has shown some good strength, but Ben Rhodes, uh, two for two in uh, 2021. Yeah, interesting for Ben Rhodes to start out the year like that. I mean, I wasn't sure if he was going to win the race uh, at all, but I mean, he did start up front and then he ended up winning the race from the pole. So uh good start for the season for him, but it looked like it was going to be a Sheldon Creed race, but uh, he, you know, he got doored in the side by a lapped car uh, coming out of the road course back onto the oval 
Um, and that, I mean, it didn't really affect him, but, you know, also doesn't help him really. Um, and then, you know, later on he had the issue, um, with the fuel pressure and, or whatever it was, and then, uh, dropped back on the restart and then had to get back to, uh, second. And he just ran out of brakes, I think, and, uh, couldn't get up to Ben Rhodes there at the end. And, and, you know, he just didn't have enough car at, at the end of there to really get up to him. But I felt like Sheldon Creed probably could have won that race. And then also John Herman Nemechek, uh, was also up there for a bit. And then, yeah, like he won the stage in stage one, but then also later on, he, he also lost fuel pressure and I thought he was done, uh, from what I could see. And, but then all of a sudden, you know, he was able to come back and, uh, finish in third. So, uh, all three of them, I mean, basically everybody that was a factor in that race finished up front, which is kind of what I want to see from a race is, you know, the, um, guys who, who led the race, uh, finish where you'd expect them to finish. And it's kind of a battle of the best. And that's kind of what it, was uh, i mean i also don't view ben Rhodes as a road course racer but you know he was able to get it done so uh credit to him there uh todd gillen uh finished fourth and um came all the way kind of from the back and then you know also we talked about riley herbst earlier running uh kind of top five before uh he ended his race on on saturday well you uh, finished fifth and definitely that experience kind of helps him out on uh, the Xfinity side. So, I mean, at least he was able to get uh, one good to finish there. So uh great race for him. Um, I mean, for the rest of the field, I mean, it was, you know, mostly a wreck fest, um, especially uh, towards the end, um, just a, a lot of cautions in the last 10 laps and just made it drag on uh, unnecessarily because again, like we talked about, and I think this is where we talk about the, uh, uh, local yellows and in, in uh, road course racing and NASCAR. And this is kind of the one that kind of exacerbated that point compared to the other two races that we saw this weekend, just uh, so many cautions on, uh, on the race. And, you know, it was only a 40 lap race, uh, but there was like 10 cautions, which, you know, for 20 laps, which basically means that uh, nearly half the race, I mean, it was 44 laps uh, scheduled uh, distance and well, they ended up running, it was supposed to be 44 laps, and then they were, ended up running 51. So of the scheduled distance, uh, nearly half of it was uh, under caution, uh, which uh, is not good in my opinion, and uh, certainly a bad product for the truck series. And I mean, I guess you can expect uh, that because the truck series does have kind of the least amount of experience, but then again, um, uh, then again, it, it, it should be expected to be a little bit better than that. Um, and f- I feel like in the past, NASCAR has done local cautions like 20 years ago. Like when I first started watching, I feel like yeah. I remember hearing that point, but it seems like they don't do that anymore. And, you know, it's, people talk about the uh, Cup Series race. They favored entertainment over sport with that rainbow caution. Well, you could also make the same point here is that they just threw uh, caution whenever they could for a car that was briefly stopped uh, wherever on the racetrack because they spun out because they don't know how to drive on a road course and they kept rebunching up the field, which creates more yellows and uh, creates, I guess, more highlight reels for the, the series to use for promotion. Yeah. You can look at this 10 cautions in a 51 lap race. You had a pit road exit, incident they stopped the race for four laps there 
Uh, you had a four lap caution for uh, John Hunter with his fuel uh, pressure issue with the great Ilmore 396 coming through. Um, the Ilmore 396 might have ended up costing Sheldon Greed uh, win there. Um, I mean, Jennifer Hocob stopped. They went through a caution for her. Um, I mean, it's like when you're wrecking, it's one thing, you know, you have, there's two, okay. Yeah. Two vehicles stopped here, Austin Hill and Spencer Boyd. Okay. I get that. These two are wrecking. These two are wrecking. All right. These two, you don't have to throw a effing caution. That was a huge wreck there. Uh, I get that. That's not a four lap caution. Um, that was a stage break. So whatever shouldn't have stage right i mean the the point is in road racing unlike ovals even though you want to manipulate things uh nascar does uh make it like wwe you need it to flow the race has to flow you have to have a little bit of strategy a little thing going on and when you don't have that that's your when you just have the stop start stop start deal I mean, you just have this nonsense where you're just yard sailing cars and trucks in this case. Uh, Joe, I'll throw to you. I mean, you talked about Ben Rhodes, um, but who else stood out to you? I mean, we I think there, there's three guys really that are doing what they have to do so far early in 2021. Uh, it's defending series champion Sheldon Creed, John Hunter, of course, who dropped from the cup series being a cup rookie and uh, was in a solid ride, albeit, you know, not the best to go and try to drive and win a championship, probably get no 2311 vehicle. And of course, Ben Rhodes, I mean, a guy who's been in this series for many years, another daddy's money uh, type guy that will never have to worry about um, the money side of things. It's a performance deal for him. Uh, whatever Lance, whatever is, I forget what the, some, he has an interesting name, whatever his crew chief's name. Uh, yeah. So what did you take away? I mean, yeah, the call, local costumes, all that, a lot of destruction on uh, Friday night and they'll have a couple of weeks before their next race uh, because they're not going to be running at Homestead for whatever reason. Yeah. So that's actually one thing that that's really interesting. They're not running at Homestead. Um, so this year they were allotted 22 races and uh, NASCAR elected to, uh, you know, with the whole auto club situation affecting the Xfinity and the cup series, they also decided to go ahead and switch the Homestead Miami race for the trucks to uh, the Daytona road course. And I, you know, I don't necessarily like that um i think the trucks have provided a lot of really good racing at uh, homestead miami i think all the series at miami are really solid um and the trucks and xfinity in particular always have been really fun uh to watch over the past few years you know going back to this race though uh one thing that that strikes me obviously and you, you hit on it earlier uh, no sponsorship for our reigning series champion. Just uh, one small sponsor on the back of the car, and that's it. It's just a white and um, black, uh, you know, truck. Uh, 
you know, I, I that alarms me in a in a bad way. Um, you know, earlier I was talking about alarmed of the competitors. As a competitor, I'd be alarmed to see your reigning series champion who drove a really impressive season last year. I mean, given the first half wasn't too great, but the second half really impressive uh, to be without a sponsor. Um, that worries me. I'll tell you that, that, that I think shows really, uh, you know, a, a real weakness in, in NASCAR is their sponsorship. I mean, even that goes all the way up to the cup series. Rick Hendrick is pouring money out of his own pocket to fund Kyle Larson's car because nobody wants to uh, sponsor him. Now that's a little bit of a different issue. Uh, but you know, another guy who I've looked at over the past few years with sponsorship issues was William Byron. I mean, he's, he's not the most likable driver. He's definitely not a driver who I have ever heard anybody say they dislike. Uh, he had a pretty solid season last year, obviously collected his first, points win his first non-points win as well uh both coming at daytona um really i saw it up until the last part of the the season really up until the playoffs last season was a career year for william byron uh and i was surprised that he didn't pick up any sponsors unfortunately he actually lost sponsorship because of the whole hurts deal i think hurts declared bankruptcy at some point during the year and had to pull sponsorship on uh, his car for i think it was four races, maybe uh, somewhere around there. So, you know, obviously, and I think Sheldon Creed is just the latest example of, okay, there's business issues, there's sponsorship issues. In my eyes, if you win a championship, you should have a sponsor. I have no, no idea why Sheldon Creed has no sponsor. Um, you know, Creed, uh, I, I liked what I was seeing on social media uh, with uh, Marcus Lemonis, he's a huge supporter of NASCAR. And I, I don't care what you want to say about him on uh, The Prophet or, you know, what, whatever other shows you might see him on or whatever. Uh, but he he's a smart businessman, and he definitely has shown his dedication to NASCAR for a number of years, really, ever since that uh, Camping World joined the sport back in 2009. And, uh, you know, really, it's it's heartwarming to see that he wants to help. But at the same time, one man can only do so much. One person, you know, it's... So that worries me. Because I think, eventually, what will happen if, you know, whatever is not attracting sponsors, if that issue is not fixed, eventually you're going to have a lot of sponsorship loss. And I think this gap between the big and the small is really going to grow. And at that point, the competition is no longer fun. Um, you know, which is why I'm hoping the next gen car really does work to save uh, the team's money and, you know, make the competition, you know, Kyle Busch uh, said something about the uh, the back runners, you know, running in the middle of the field and r- messing everything up uh, in the cup race the last uh, after the rain caution. But, uh, you know, I, I think really at the end of the day, it, it, it all that all builds into one another. They're all related. It's a circle it's a cycle. Um, so, you know, I, I think and, and that doesn't even have to do with any of the racing, which is quite silly when you think about it. 
Um, as far as the racing goes, when they were under green, the racing was pretty fun. I thought watching the battles between the top few, uh, Creed, watching John Hunter work his way back through the field uh, was a lot of fun. But again, just the cautions. And, you know, as a kid, I used to be more tolerant of cautions, I think, for some reason. I don't really know why. But as as I've gotten older, it, it has been less fun, I yeah. find. And especially when you have so many cautions in such a short period of time, which first off, this whole race is a short period of time because it's such a short race. Uh, but, you know, I think of Martinsville races where there's like 10 or 15 cautions. Like, this is as painful as that this was this weekend. Um, you know, depending on where the car is stopped, you don't need to throw a caution. If the car is stopped, you know, in in the middle of the back stretch where cars are or trucks are going, whatever, 160 to 180, depending on what you're driving, yeah, that's a problem. Then you stop the race. But if you're stopped at a place like the entrance to pit road with one to go, first off, with the chicane, drivers are going what, like 50 through the chicane? 55, 60 maybe? I mean, we drive that on the highway, right? So I would have a hard time justifying a caution for that, especially that late in the race. I mean, to me, it, it's it's painful. It's painful to hear about the overtime effort after it's been done the first time. It, it, it's And, you know, it's like I, I hate that because I don't want the race to end and I don't want to wish away time, but at the same time, it, it's like, it's painful watching all these laps click away under caution because what too does that do as far as all the drivers who had carefully crafted their race, right? To And they might only have a few laps to the good for an overtime. And now you're throwing cautions that aren't necessary. That affects them too, you know? Um, and whether that plays in the drama element or whatever, um, I'm, I'm just, I'm not a fan. Uh, I'm not necessarily against the idea of maybe limiting overtimes again and just uh, calling it a day after two or three attempts. Um, but even three attempts felt really long to me. I don't know if that was just the fact that there had already been so many cautions or if, you know, the three attempts was really just felt that long. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm worried in that uh, aspect. And, uh, you know, I hope that there's fixes in all of those areas because uh, really the trucks, I think, put on a great show. Uh, I rather would have seen them run at Homestead over what I saw last week at the Daytona Road Course. Um, And that's not to say that it wasn't good at points. Uh, Like I touched on, I I thought the green flag racing was really entertaining, a lot of side-by-side. Uh, you know, the draft clearly works in this road course, which is one thing that shocked me even uh, in the clash. You know, I didn't think with the little spoilers, they the, the was going to work, the draft. Um, but, you know, the truck's obviously different. But I, I, I don't know. Uh, I love the trucks, but it's worrying me. <laughs> yeah, the truck series has an identity crisis for sure. Um it's something that for a while uh, they, I mean, you have the same engine as the Arca series and there's certain teams that have been really screwed by it. There are more vehicles 
um, showing up. So in that sense, it's good. Now, how the quality of said vehicles is a whole totally different thing. It's similar to Rick Ware Racing showing up with four toilets um, and taking up spots at the Daytona 500. It's the same way as Mike Harmon um, and a couple other teams take up spots in the Xfinity Series. Uh, you know, in the truck series, you have Jennifer Joe Cobb and you have some of these other teams that are not great. Um, it's fine that they fill the spot and that they're able to go and fill an entry blank and whatever, do whatever it is. But you want to go and talk about quality over quantity. Um, that isn't a thing anymore. Uh, you, I, I mean, you can make that case across all of motorsports, but in IndyCar racing, even with Rick Ware getting into it, um, IndyCar racing is probably as good as it's been in about 20, 20 years, 20 or 30 years in regards to quality of the field. Uh, you know, you think about sports cars at the top end in the prototype category as high quality teams. You think about um, GTD, um, really good organizations in a pro-am category. You look at Lamar. You look at Formula E, look at Formula One, even Williams, who's been bought by a business entity. Uh, they, they're they trying to be more competitive. There's something to be said about competitiveness. And uh, I mean, in supercars in Australia, there's a lot more competitive field now, even though there is no manufacturer, really no manufacturer support uh, involved there which is crazy, but, um, and that's something that we'll uh, get into next week more uh, since the supercars will be back this week uh, with their season debut at uh, Mount Panorama. And uh, I mean, now they're going to be moving to Chevy Camaro because Holden's done, doesn't exist anymore. And of course, Ford Mustangs around, but you know, Dick Johnson Racing is back to being Dick Johnson Racing, not DJR Team Penske, and then the whole deal. We'll get into all that. We'll get into that more next week. Uh, but all good stuff. Uh, we will switch over to Homestead. Uh, you know, we talk about how, uh, you know, Homestead is one of the best racetracks in NASCAR. Uh, there's only going to be a cup and Xfinity program uh, this weekend. So Xfinity will run late. It'll be in Sunday evening. And then uh, the cup race will run uh, middle of Sunday afternoon. Dixie Vodka 400. We'll go and start with the Xfinity race at uh, Homestead which will have the contender boats 250, which will see uh, Gumby on the pole with uh, Hemrick second. And then you'll have Harrison Burton, who won one of the races last year at Homestead, starting third with Bruckshot Jones, Jeb Burton, Brett Moffitt, Brandon Brown, Haley, Clements, Mive Snyder. Um, Ty Dillon will be making his second start of the season. In the 54 car, uh, Josh Berry will be back. He'll be starting 20th. 
uh, Santino, Ferrucci, uh, noted moron, um, will be making his NASCAR debut. Um, fellow moron Noah Gregson will be right behind him. Uh, trying to go through here. Riley Herbst in the 98 uh, rocket ship will be 29th. Um, it's an opportunity for him to go and get his first win. Can't believe I'm saying that, but yeah, it's possible. Um, Tyler Reddick will be starting uh, in the back. He'll be running in row 19, uh, starting 38th. And um, that will be something to watch in the uh, number 23, which I think they were swapping points to get the 03 in, but the 03 wouldn't have gotten in. So they probably did a point swap there. So that's interesting. Um, so the Tyler Reddick will be starting tailback. That'll be interesting to watch. Um, Josh, I'll throw to you first in regards to the Xfinity program. I know, I guess we we could go and pick uh, somebody that we think will be a favorite for this race, but also... Um, you know, who do you look at as kind of a dark horse candidate to go and pull one out here Saturday afternoon? I think for this race, um, there's a, a lot of multitude of or multiple contenders that could um, potentially win this race. I mean, last year in both races, I felt like Austin Hendrick had a good car. Uh, Harrison Burton was one of the winners last year. Um, Brandon Jones had uh, a lot of or had good runs, I think on both days. And then, you know, you talk about Tyler Reddick starting at the back of the field and uh, I like his talent on this type of track. And I feel like he, you know, he's a guy that knows how to run around Homestead and uh, he knows how to get around there with the high line and utilize that uh, and make his way up through the field. So that's going to be something to watch if he can make it up there. Um, Also, I think somebody that could be a contender is Noah Gregson. And I mean, he starting in 23rd, but I mean, I think that's just because of the way the the formula works now for determining the uh, starting fields. But last year in the first uh, edition of the race at Homestead, he led uh, 83 laps and was definitely in contention until the very end. And I think, you know, he just didn't have a good restart in the last, uh, last run there and uh, ended up not winning. And uh, Harrison Burton won that one, but um, I definitely look as him uh, as someone that could be a factor. But I think if I'm, if I'm going to pick a winner, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of choices here. I mean, I, I think I'm going to go with Harrison Burton as uh kind of a repeat winner. I mean, he's in the, the most recent winner because he won on the first day of uh, Xfinity racing. But I, I think this is a race where Harrison Burton picks up his first uh, victory of 2021 in Xfinity. Yeah. Noah Gregson led the most laps both days at Homestead uh, last June when they ran their double header, uh, led 83 laps on uh, Saturday and then on Sunday, led 81 laps, and then late restarts uh, cost him. Uh, A.J. Allmendinger actually finished ahead of them on the Sunday race, starting tailback. Uh, Joe, I'll throw to you. I mean, we think about we think about the guys that, uh, I mean, Sindrick, we talked, I mean, Josh talked about, uh, uh, what do you call, Harrison, 
talked about Noah Gregson. Um, who do you look at as a favorite for uh, Saturday, and who is who do you see as a wild card candidate? So you know what's funny is actually I think Josh just like planted something into my mind and just started reading my thoughts because I had all of those same drivers <laughs> as my picks. I think uh, Gregson, if they bring a similar car to last year, had really great long run speed in both races last year. Uh, and, you know, I, I felt for him, especially at the end of the second race. Where I was like, man, this he led. I think those races were, what, only 100 laps each or somewhere around there. Uh, you know, 120 maybe, and here he is leading like 75, 80% of the race, and just these late race restarts bit him because his car was no good on the short run. Um, if if Junior Motorsports, that number nine team, if they can fix that issue, I'm scared. Um, um, woo. Uh, Redick, you know, can work the outside great. He's got a wealth of experience. I'm just worried about the equipment, um, you know, that O two O three, you know the O two O three team, um, they're they're not the same equipment that uh, Reddick is used to driving on the Xfinity side. Reddick's driven you know top notch equipment, JRM, RCR, uh, when he's in Xfinity. So it'll be interesting to see you know how much driver was was there and is going to be there this weekend because this is a driver's racetrack. Um, and the driver does make a huge difference here. Uh, and then, of course, I think Harrison Burton has been probably one of the best drivers, uh, even going back into the stretch of a few races at the end of last year. Uh, one Martinsville, one Texas did really well uh, for a lot of the playoffs and just wasn't able to get through uh, all the rounds. Um, so I look at him to be a threat. Uh now, if we're going, you know, to other guys that I'm going to be watching this weekend, uh, I'm going to watch Daniel Hemrick. This is a guy who's been in multiple top-tier rides, same as Reddick. Uh, he's been at JRM. He has been at uh, at the cup level in Tyler Reddick, where Tyler Reddick is now. And he has been, uh, you know, now with Joe Gibbs Racing, he believes this is his best opportunity the way I see it, it's time to put up or shut up. Um, if he can't win with Gibbs, uh, I think he's out of NASCAR. Not not even out of, out of a ride for just one year. I think he's out of NASCAR because he has no Xfinity wins. I don't believe he's got a truck win. He's never won in any of the major. Yeah. So, I mean, he's in trouble. He has had many, many, many opportunities to win. He's come close a number of times as well. Um, but you know, and, and this, this one and a half mile racing, uh, seems to, you know, play into his style. Uh, he just wrecks and not, I feel bad saying that because usually they aren't all his fault. Um, in fact, a lot of them really aren't his fault or anything that he had to do with them, but I mean, he's got a, something's got to change because I can't picture that he's going to go to Gibbs, run a full season, not win a race and not get replaced by a kid who just won his debut last week, next year. So uh, I definitely look for his performance. I'm also looking at Ty Dillon. Uh, Ty Dillon, I feel like he he has pretty equivalent talent to his brother Austin, 
Uh, maybe Austin, I think, performed historically a little bit better on their journeys through the ranks. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like Ty, you know, with some more honing of his skill, could be a pretty competitive driver. And he was always pretty competitive when he was in the Xfinity series. And we saw that at Daytona on the Oval when he was there. I'm looking at him, really, because I don't have too great of a feel as to really what his performance is going to be like. So I'm just looking at him more out of curiosity. But we know he's he's another one. He's Hemrick's teammate. He's going to be in a good ride. So it's time, like, he has to perform. I cut him a little bit more slack because on the cup side, he's been with really not Jermaine, great teams. Yeah, Jermaine and, uh, you know, the, the, the team he's been with, it just, it's not there. You know, like you knew he wasn't going to win a race. Uh, you'd be shocked if he finished top 10. Uh, so, you know, I, I'd like to see and just observe sort of what he's able to do throughout the race uh, to get a feel. And, you know, because he's another one I'm pretty worried about too. He's not even running a full-time season, which already puts him at a disadvantage. And the person he's sharing the ride most prominently with uh, has now just gone out and won a race proving that the equipment is plenty good enough, uh, which I don't think anybody questioned if Gibbs' equipment was any good. Um, but, you know, so he's another person who I think is, if, if he doesn't perform this year, he could be in trouble. Uh, you know, I, I think with his experience in the cup level, uh, smaller teams might find more value in him. So he is, in my eyes, not in as much immediate danger as Hemrick. But those are two that I, I think not only I'm going to watch this weekend, I'm going to continue to watch those two throughout the year. Good points on both of those guys. I mean, definitely it's a defining year for both of them. I mean, Xfinity is going to be very difficult once we get through um, the Kyle Busch races. I mean, once you take those races out, um, he's trying to get to 100 and then supposedly is going to stop. Buy it, but you know, um, they have to have a rule where if you're a cup driver and you own your own team, you can run as much as you want. Um, then he could go and run and win every truck race and get off and beat up on everybody. It's it's his right, he's building the vehicles, he gets TRD equipment, let him go and run all the truck races he wants. He wants to go run an Xfinity program, let him do it. He's going to run a Gibbs car. Of course, he's going to only have five races. I mean, it's the same kind of thing. It, it would give up, it would open up five more races for Ty Gibbs, or it would open up five more races to go and get Ty Dillon and Ty Gibbs, or, you know, whatever you want to do. Uh, but, of course, the cost basis, you know, Denny Hamlin wasn't going to go into business unless he had Michael Jordan's billions of dollars to go and do this and take the the whatever the germane charter and a whole bit you know and getting trd equipment same way as kyle bush went and shuttered the xfinity program after two years because he won he was losing money on it um and he's in trucks you make no money in the truck i don't know who makes money in the truck series i would they're never going to show us the, the back end of it but i don't know where the financials are when it comes to the ARCA series, the truck series, I really question Xfinity too, but uh, 
that's, I guess, another another uh, episode for us. Uh, but uh, in terms of, for me, I'm going to go, I'll go a little different here. I'm not going to go Gibbs. I'm not going to go Gumby. I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go Jeb Burton. Jeb Burton, the thing about him is people forget way back when uh, he drove for, um, he drove, now I'm forgetting the damn name, Turner Motorsports. There you go. Turner Motorsports uh, many years ago in the number four truck. And he finished third in points. He won at one and a half mile racetracks. He's a pretty good damn race car driver. I mean, just like his father, underrated, you know, maybe people joke around about Ward because he can't speak English and it's funny. Um, and he was in South Boston. He was in Southern Virginia and Jeff was in Northern Virginia, even though they're in the same house. It's amazing. It's great. I love, I want to have Sterling Marlin and Ward Burton read the dictionary. Um, I would listen to that for the rest of my life. Um, that would probably give me more happiness than most things um, outside of like listening to Joey Diaz talk about farting and crapping stories. But besides that, I think the colleague team, they're due to win at a cookie cutter. Um, I think this racetrack kind of fits the style of Jeb Burton. That 10 car is, is just competitive in general, but they haven't been able to close. Uh, there's at some point it's going to get there. I mean, I do agree. Daniel Hamrick, Ty Dillon, you know, we look at some of these other guys. I mean, Brett Moffitt's another guy who talents their personality is horrible. Um, and that's probably why he hasn't, I mean, that and he got screwed by Michael Waltrip, no lube. Um, and anybody that's been, that's gotten the screw job from the Waltrips has kind of struggled. Um, Martin Truex is the best example of that. Um, he needed Cole Pern and uh, then eventually Toyota too. the combination of that to go and make him a Hall of Famer. Uh, but otherwise, he would have basically been out of the sport. So uh, I look at uh, I look at Jeb Burton for uh, Saturday to go and get a Xfinity win in terms of a wild card candidate. I'm going to go Ryan Sieg because he has um, he has Cowboy Starland up there on the box in his heyday with a certain driver that's uh, we won't mention here on this show. They used to do some good stuff in the truck series. He's a really good crew chief. They're a good team. They have Fords. So now it's not like they're in like second tier equipment. They're in good equipment. Uh, one of these days, Ryan Teague is going to win a race. Um, it may happen in Vegas next week. It may happen this week, but I do figure um, Sieg is going to be a factor in this championship. Uh, probably make the round of eight, and this would be a great spot for him. He had a good, solid run both days. Um, he was at Sieg. He was running strategy. Yeah, he had issues. He led 27 laps. 
in the the Saturday race had problems, and then Sieg also. Uh, I'm looking back here. Finished 19th. He led seven laps. So, I mean, the reality is he has a feel for the track. So, you know, I think it's a good shot. You know, once we get into the normal schedule, which I think this is what it is, starting this week, we're going to see the strength of the uh, Sieg organization. With that, we will move. Uh, to the last uh, race, uh, of course, the Dixie Vodka 400, which will um, see uh, Denny Hamlin, the defending race winner on the pole. Uh, Joey Logano, who has won at this racetrack when he won his championship a couple years ago on the outside pole. Uh, Christopher Bell, after his first career win, will start on the inside of row two with Kevin Harvick, a uh, former winner in 2014 at Homestead, Kurt Busch, McDowell, Brad Keselowski, who um, clinched his 2012 championship there, uh, beat Jimmy Johnson, Priest, Truex, who's done really well there over many years, and Cold Custard will round out the top 10. Uh, guys that you would look at in regards to Homestead, Miami. Uh, of course, Kyle Larson will be starting 17th. And you got Daniel Suarez getting Camping World sponsorship there for so many races they'll have there. 21st, Mr. Worldwide supposedly being there. Kyle Bush, 24th. Um, Chase Briscoe, 30th. Uh, Ross Chastain, another guy, uh, somebody that's a really good rough uh, track racer in Florida, another Florida race for the watermelon guy, uh, 32nd. Uh, Tyler Reddick will be starting 35th. There's only 38 cars in this field. Uh, Matt Burrito will be starting tailback with uh, Quinn Huff who uh, stiffed Clayton in the Talking in Circles show because, of course, Quinn Huff would go and stiff podcasts when you are probably one of the worst race car drivers ever lived. Um, Joseph, we'll go to you. I don't know why I went full governor or full government on that, but um, we'll, uh, I mean, Denny Hamlin won this race last year. Uh, there's a lot of guys that are just like Homestead kind of specialists because Homestead in its own right, in Kansas kind of getting there, but it's Kansas. It's a crap hole. Um, I mean, this is going to be an interesting race. I think this race could kind of define what we see for the rest of the season. Um, who do you look at for um, for picks for this weekend? Yeah, so I'm actually I'm going to hold my cards a little bit to myself here because uh, in my race previews I always write I always include the five drivers to watch, not necessarily who might win, but yeah. just that you're going to watch. Um, I think two of them we've already talked about, so I'll go a little bit more in depth there. Two of them that are on my eyes this week: Kyle Larson, Tyler Reddick. Uh, Larson really great at Homestead. I did not think we were going to be at this point already, where I'm saying okay, when is he going to win again? Uh, I thought maybe 
one off at Bristol for the first half of the year and at the second half of the year start to gain momentum. Uh, clearly, I've been proven wrong. Um, great speed weeks, and this falls much more than Daytona into his wheelhouse. Uh, he loves running there. He's in equipment that we know can win, uh, so I definitely look at him. Tyler Reddick, you mentioned starting at the back of the field. Last year finished fourth in this race, his first time ever in a cup car at this racetrack. Uh, and the three who finished in front of him, I think, had the three most superior cars of the night uh, that uh, that race was Hamlin, Elliott, and Blaney. Uh, so, you know, if there isn't so much of a gap, like if the first three don't run away or the first group don't really run away with the race, I think Reddick could be in contention and that he's just really had a poor year so far. Uh, you know, Daytona, that's a crapshoot uh, in Talladega, you know, because it's easy to get involved in a wreck. And then, uh, you know, just this past weekend of the road course, got in the grass after the rain, blew the radiator out. Uh, we need turf. But, you know, it, he is a driver I look at really, uh, you mentioned like Kansas, these more cookie cutter racetrack mile and a half, uh, they just really suit his style. Uh, so I look at him. Uh, the other three, I'll give you the names of the other three who I'm writing about in the article are uh, Hamlin. I'm looking at Chase, and then I'll uh, – I'm actually – I'm not sure I've determined the fifth driver yet. A Bell. Bell's the, the fifth guy I'm looking at. Good preview there. We'll uh, tell you where we can find uh, Joe's work. Uh, Josh, throw to you. I don't know if you're going to go and travel to Homestead. I figure after you did Daytona, I don't know if you're going to do the Homestead run, but – um, there are guys that are homestead specialists, but you know, Hamlin has kind of made it his house recently. Uh, yeah, I mean, and and of course, you have Toyota has become kind of that one and a half mile racetrack, uh, king these days. So the Gibbs cars have always been up there. You have Hamlin, you have Truex, but. You know, Ford has good cars, good teams. Um, I mean, there, it, I think it's it's a wide open. For the first time this year, I think we're really going to see what we're really going to find out, what this whole championship is going to be all about. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, for many years, like with NASCAR coming from the 500, going to the next race, whether that was California or going to Phoenix or wherever it was always we always thought of the the race after the daytona 500 as being like the start of the real season and of course we had the road course uh the uh, the last weekend after daytona 500 and now we're going to homestead so now it kind of seems like yeah now we're kind of seeing the actual start of what the season is going to actually look like um and you know like what joe said you know there's a lot of drivers throughout the field that you can pick and yeah, I mean, I'm very excited to see what Tyler Reddick can do. If how he he'll be able to use that high line uh, right up against the wall, driving up from through the field from 35th. Uh, hopefully, you know, there's not a lot of cautions that happen, um, and he's able to drive his way up through there. Uh, Kyle Larson, I expect kind of the same deal. Um, both of them are very proficient at using that 
very top line, very close to the wall. That um, aero cushion, I guess that you could uh, you call it. I mean, that's what they did in iRacing is they basically uh, simulated that aero effect where you pack once you get close to the wall, you pack a, a lot of air, and it kind of keeps you from touching the wall and it helps keep your car turning alongside the wall. And you, you know, you gain a lot of momentum throughout uh, the run using that high line compared to the low line, obviously with progressive ranking and everything. And, you know, also another driver you have to look out for is Chase Briscoe. Um, you know, he won in the Xfinity series last year at this racetrack. This racetrack is uh, another place that kind of fits his driving style. And he's had a bit of a rough start of the season so far. So, uh, I look for him. I mean, I don't know if he'll win, but I would look for him to have probably a, a, a top 10 or maybe a top 15 run. Um, Denny Hamlin starting from the pole. Um, I expect him to probably dominate this race. Um, and then also, you know, uh, another guy that could finish top 20 is Michael McDowell. Um, I mean, he finished 15th in this race uh, last year. And um, I feel like, you know, with, the Daytona 500 win, and then also top 10 at road course, uh, Daytona, he, he could, uh, you know, keep some of that momentum going and at least not have a total free fall from, uh, the, uh, top half of, or the top portion of the standings. Um, cause normally a driver like him would probably free fall once the honeymoon is over from, uh, the Daytona 500 victory, but you know, maybe that momentum can, uh, keep going, I guess. And, you know, uh, I would like to see what Ryan Blaney can do also um, because I felt like last year he had a good run in this uh, race, but just uh, didn't end up winning. But if I pick a winner, um, I mean, it's hard to say. I kind of want to go with Kyle Larson because I I feel like uh, that could – the timing for him, he could just end up winning this race. But I think I'm going to stick with a safe pick uh, and go with Danny Hamlin. Um, I feel like, you know, the – 500 is just a miss execution on the last pit stop. And then last weekend, um, they kind of just fell a little bit behind uh, with the uh, pit stops kind of, and then uh, just not keeping up with uh, the other people's strategy. And obviously there's cautions too, but he was up there and I thought maybe he could win. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go uh, with Danny Hamlin winning uh, this race, but it should be a, a lot of action uh, throughout the weekend. I mean, I think Xfinity will be better. Uh, as far as like being able to run that high line and see a lot of moves happening. But uh, I mean, I'm very curious to see on the, the cup side, like how, how well can they battle for the lead? Cause it seemed like last year with this race and maybe the year before that, it uh, just wasn't the same. And it has that it had, had been in years past with Homestead racing on, on the cup series side. Yeah. It's a fear with the BAS and then the 550 rules package. If we're really going to get to see the best, uh, race, but because of tire wear, uh, that could help. And, you know, there are certain guys, I mean, unlike other tracks that are all kind of similar and because of the pavement, uh, age, it, it's a different type of challenge. I think Atlanta, now that they're going to run Atlanta twice this year, they're going to be running Darlington twice this year this is a big race in a lot of ways um, in regards to R and D in regards to trying to get yourself locked into this playoff. Um, I mean, it's not something that's going to translate theoretically into the playoff itself, 
But of course, I mean, you think about Michael McDowell got a free ride into the playoffs right now. Christopher Bell, who's now working with house money with Adam Stevens, who has won at this racetrack twice. Um, and Chris Bell, who has finished in the top five, I think both of those years in the Xfinity series, I think he hit the wall the one year and I think he finished top five the other year to Tyler Reddick. So, I mean, the notion is Chris Bell's won a race at this racetrack in a truck series. Uh, I, I think to go and win a championship. Uh, he, I'm not saying he's going to win on Sunday um, in regards to who I think is going to win on Sunday. I think Kevin Harvick opens up his account for 2021. Um, he's a guy who, you know, of course he just started, he's expanded his uh, marketing firm uh, basically hedging for Keelan's career. So the whole point of his career at this point is to basically fund Keelan's career because it's expensive as hell to go and make a race car driver, um, let alone make the son of a great race car driver as um, Kevin Harvick <laughs> is. And now, and of course, uh, Delena's dad was a race car driver too. So yeah. Um I think Kevin Harvick, you know, after falling short last year, um, the Stuart Haas cars have not been able to show so far, theoretically, in two races. I mean, uh, Almirola had a great car um, in the duels, and he won, and uh, there, there was speed, and then, but it didn't really fall out the way it should but Kevin Harvick's making points his first two races of the season. Um, I think that's a spot for him to go and get started here in 2021. Um, wild card pick in regards to somebody to look at. I mean, uh, Josh said it um, with, with Briscoe uh, for me. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm a mark. So it's a bias thing for me, but when you're thinking about uh, his talent, lack of experience on pavement, he's still learning on pavement. These cars are totally different from Xfinity package. Too brutal a week so far in a cup car, but he's going to a track where he has a lot of great success at. He's driven really well at. He drives better on the rougher racetracks. It's an opportunity for Klaus Meyer to show his abilities, kind of going back to 2018 with him and Eric Almarola when they finished fifth in points. And, um, you know, they were, they were an elite team. Eric Almarola ran better than he ever had in his career, really. Um, I think this is an opportunity race for them. I think, you know, Coda, the dirt Bristol race, some of the Nashville Road America, some of the new races are places where they can go and make it, but also Homestead is an opportunity for uh, Chase Briscoe to make something happen. But the specialists that are there are going to stand out, I think. The odds that they will have uh, in terms of gambling, I think, are interesting to see in regards to Larson, in regards to Tyler Reddick. Uh, Chase Briscoe and even Ross Chastain, who's had some uh, brutal luck so far 
in his um, full-time Cup Series debut uh, with uh, Chip Ganassi Racing. Um, we will um, end tonight's GSP. Uh, Joe, uh, where can we find your work and where can we follow you? Yeah, so my work is all on lastoutmedianetwork.com. Uh, it's in the blog section, which is titled We're Always Here. Uh, and you'll find me under other sports. Uh, Last Out does a really great job of covering a variety of sports, primarily Philly, uh, since that's the area we're based out of. Um, but I, I write about NASCAR. So currently, uh, I'm really focusing on right now, uh, you know, some more of the like covering the races, uh, the, you know, the day to day cover the trucks and then the Xfinity and Cup. Um, and then, like I said, I have a lot of fun doing my race previews. Uh, I'm hoping that once I'm out of school, uh, I'll be able to expand over there a little bit because uh, I'll tell you there's a few ideas that I've had bouncing around in my head that I'd, I'd really love to write out. I just don't have time. I got too much homework. Um, but, yeah, so I'll be at lastoutmedianetwork.com. Uh, if you want to follow me, go ahead. I'm on uh, Twitter at Passero Jr. That's P-A-S-S-E-R-O-J-R. Uh, and I usually tweet out uh, stage point updates. Uh, so live as the race is happening because those are hard to follow, especially when they start talking about them nonstop uh, in the latter half of the season. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's where you can find me. And uh, uh, for anybody listening, watching, uh, you know, reach out if you have any questions. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for coming on, brother. Um, hopefully, I think me. we can keep this going because uh i think the vibe we had going tonight was cool and we were able to kind of riff off of each other and um you're wanting to learn about formula one kind of rolls into our show because we're definitely a big formula one show i mean uh grid talk podcast uh get the reference there for george and company out in uh jolly old england but um i go and uh go on there and they're great they're a great group and they've been on here and we're on there we're gonna do some other collaborations uh going on with the formula one season upcoming here in a month's time uh covid of course hold you know fingers crossed so we can get things going and um at uh, bahrain i think they'll be able to run a double header there um Thank you for coming on. And I think we're going to keep on doing this. We'll figure it out, make sure it works for all of us. But I think this is a good deal. Um, Josh, uh, where can we uh, follow you uh, in regards to iRacing and where can we follow you on social media? Yeah, um, for the iRacing stuff, uh, always follow me at uh, twitch.tv slash usailor2. That's Y-O-U-S-A-I-L-O-R-2. Uh, the number two, and then uh, Twitter at uh, uh, JP Huffine. Uh, uh, for iRacing, uh, I mean, I didn't really do a lot of racing post Daytona 500. You know, uh, I I think that filled my kind of my uh, quota, I guess, or my appetite for iRacing for a bit, but I did a little bit of road racing throughout the weekend. Um, and I was able to, on the road side, because um, the way it works for iRacing now for uh, oval racing, like the oval racing series for NASCAR, you have to have the oval license to compete in this series. But then for the, like, if it's an oval series competing on a road course, it affects your road license. So on that end, I was able to 
uh, get a couple of good finishes on the Xfinity side uh, for iRacing. And then I think I had like one good finish on the cup side uh, for uh, the cup series there. And um, I was able to get into C class on the road racing side. So I, you know, um, I guess like right now, my kind of my goal on that is to get to class B license on road so I can compete in the open uh, setup IndyCar series um, because then I'll be able to compete against other guys there and then get some experience to try to, you know, get into the open wheels 500 uh, later in the year uh, if it happens and the iRacing Indy 500 and all that stuff. So, um, you know, uh, hopefully I can, you know, get into all that. So, that would be great. Um, and then also to answer your question about earlier, if I would probably attend or if I would attend Homestead, uh, um, don't know, know if I will. I don't think so. Um, got got some other plans on Sunday, I guess, before the race. But um, um, I mean, I, I would like to go. It's, a, I guess, another race I'd like to attend, um, but uh, just not in the cards, I think. And right now, I think I just stick to uh, Daytona for the moment. Yeah, I think it'll. We, I mean, I that's a track I want to go to, honestly, Homestead, because it it seems like the vibe is the right vibe for me, and I like the track. Uh, you know, when your favorite drivers won there three times and won three championships there, including probably the most uh, dramatic championship uh, win in probably the last. 30 years basically the whole entire time I've watched this sport but um hopefully it's still alive the track is still around here uh when we can all travel and really experience things uh you can follow us at at grip strip pod uh g s and p are capitalized you can find it on twitter follow me at philip g matthew on twitter we are um, we are all over. We're on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora. Uh, we have our, our our episodes up in regards to, um, you know, we had uh, Jerry Bonkowski. We've had Joey Barnes. We've had great people on this show, and Joe is the latest person. And we hope to keep on doing that. Um, we're all over, covering all over motorsports. We're not a one-trick pony. Uh, we're not somebody that's focused on one thing. We, we'll cover everything. And we have our passions. We have our teams. We have our drivers. So listen to us. Uh, give us a like, listen, and uh, support us. Uh, we're going to have a connection here with a pretty uh, major company. Uh, in regards to selling some things or trying to get a discount on some things here, um, which we will uh, promote next week during the episode when we go over uh, all the events at Homestead Miami. We'll um, also go into all the racing. Uh, we didn't even get into uh, the outside stuff in regards to IndyCar testing. We didn't get into Formula One uh, uh, launches, Formula E, um, V8 supercars starting their 2021 season, Ferrari committing to race on um, or race in uh, the hypercar series in uh, the World Endurance Championship. 
you know, their Aston Martin's still gonna have some pink on the car, which would be funny. Um, you know, there, there, there's so much to go over, but we will definitely do that here on the GSP. We thank you for listening to us. Um, stay safe, social distance, wear a mask, um, take care of one another. Thanks, Joe and Josh. Um, Josh, as always, being my sidekick and right-hand man, Joe, for giving us the time. And hopefully we're going to continue this because definitely good vibe we had tonight. And we'll talk about all kinds of racing together here. Follow Joe uh, on Last Out Media and at Pacero Jr. on Twitter. Um, Take care. God bless. Good night.